Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. And welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive podcast. I am Chad Ozy. I am here with my friend Jeff Cross. How you doing today, Jeff? Yes, sir. I'm doing well. You know, the weather's breaking for us. I like it. <laughs> Jeff says the weather is breaking, and he played baseball in 38 degrees yesterday. Yeah. Wind chill. Hey, the Cubs played. If the Cubs can play, I can play. I don't know. <laughs> Even I'm though the Sox canceled. You. The Sox canceled, but the Cubs played. So. <laughs> the, the Cubs have windbreak all around them from massive buildings, uh, big yeah. walls around. You're playing in the middle of cornfields. Yeah, yeah. It's a slightly different setup than Major League Baseball. That's what the dugout's for. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's such good stuff. It was definitely uh, cold and windy, but of course, you know, we've spoken before in a podcast about staying neutral and... Um, not saying stupid stuff out loud, and where the boys just don't say it. They don't say it's cold out here. They may say it once, and I look at them and go, "Okay, you've said it. You know, yep. that's it. You're done." And they know they're. I know they're cold. Everyone knows they're cold. You know what I mean? But uh, when you sit there and dwell on this one thing, well, you're just gonna. It's all you're gonna be thinking about. So it. Uh, I told the boys we lost big time. It was a pretty good team we're playing, and uh, I said, "But you can go look in the paper today, and." And see, there's only what our score and maybe one other team in there in the local paper. I said, we listen. We may have lost the game, but we won the fight with getting out there and playing and handling these elements. So, oh, you're absolutely right. I took my daughter to the airport yesterday morning. Um, she had come in for Easter. She goes to school down in Alabama, and she was up here in the cold uh, with this for a chilly Easter weekend. And uh, as I am driving her to the airport at 3.30 in the morning <clears throat> for her to catch her early flight out to mm, get back for class. Beautiful. Uh, she, uh, we, we look out the, the front windshield and it is just big flakes coming down mm. like crazy. I mean, it is just snow, snow, snow. 
And I was like, I get to go umpire baseball in this today. Mm-hmm. And by the time I had gotten home at about six o'clock, my games for the day had been canceled <laughs> for snow and right, temperature right. and all that kind of stuff. And everything kind of bumped back by a day. It was, uh, it was, it was something else, but it was a, uh, uh, it was just crazy to think that here we are the day after Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Still getting that kind of snow, but I uh, I was reminded then last night. Uh, my son and I had uh, dinner with my my mom and stepdad, uh, and I'm I'm really fortunate. My my stepdad and son came out to our church yesterday, and uh, they were doing getting some lawn mowers ready to go. And in that 38 degree weather, my my son was out mowing mm-hmm. mowing the yard at church, and they were getting ready to fix our basketball goal. We had some vandalism done. And oh. so been trying to find a way to get that fixed because a lot of people come over and use our, uh, our our basketball goal at church from the community. And so we try to have that up and going for them. And, and so they were working on it. So we went over to their house and had leftovers from Easter dinner. Okay. We'd had uh, we'd cooked out hamburgers and hot dogs for Easter. And mm. so we went over there to help them eat up the leftovers and as we're talking, my stepdad grew up in Minot, North Dakota. Sounds cool. Came here to go to college and met a, met a girl, got married, settled down, stayed here, you know, but still got family back in Minot. Well, if anybody was paying attention to national news at all, a uh, day or two before Easter, Minot got 36 inches yeah. of snow in one dumping. It sure did. <laughs> and then... The day before Easter or Easter itself got another 13 inches. <laughs> so over four feet of snow in just one short little bit there, yeah, you know? 48 hours. And, and I'm sitting there going, man, I've been complaining that it's 38 degrees out the day after Easter, and they've got four feet of yeah. snow dumped mm-hmm. on top of them. Yeah. I need to shut up. Yep. Like, you know, there's always somebody that's a little burst off. Right. It's all yeah. about perspective, yep. you know. Uh, and, and perspective, you know, we, we say that, you know, perspective is our own reality. And, and that's true. You yeah. know, if a, you've said it before. If a coach feels like they're getting a fair game, they're getting a fair game. Mm-hmm. You know, if a player feels like they're being treated fairly, that's their perspective, then then they are. Yep. And if they don't feel that way, then then they're not. Yep. You know, that's <laughs> that's their perspective. And perspective carries over to every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of us, we see a certain piece of news and our perspective is that's great. Another pers- person's perspective might be that's horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had friends of mine that were so thrilled to get together for the, the Easter holiday. And for them, their perspective was, this is great. It's just like Thanksgiving or Christmas or 4th of July. We get the opportunity to get together with family and all that kind of thing. I have another friend that, that hated Easter. Their perspective was, was much different because it was their first Easter uh, without somebody that had been very significant in their life. Mm. And so now their mm. perspective of that day yeah. was that it's, it's a difficult day. It's a yeah. hard day mm-hmm. uh, because of that. And I know um, a lot of our, our listeners are connected to us through social media. And so some of them may have seen that that you had somebody uh, in your life um, that was uh, taken from you. And, um, you know, anytime we, we have these moments, that's something that 
every one of us processes a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're people who process things publicly. Sometimes we're people who process things privately. Um, and that's even when relationships that we have are great. Um, you, you've talked about on the podcast before um, that um, your relationship with your dad mm-hmm. growing up was a, a strained relationship, I think is a fair way to put that. Yeah, that's probably even underselling it a yeah, little bit. You yeah. know, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was a difficult relationship. Yep. And um, there are a lot of things about who you are today um, that you could trace directly back to what that looks like and, uh, and, and how it affected you and what you did. Um, but I, I was just wondering, Jeff, if for a little while today, we could, we could just talk about that a little bit. Why don't you share with us a little bit about, you know, kind of what happened and then the, the process that that's taking you through right now? Yeah, sure. So in case, uh, no one, maybe doesn't follow us on social media or whatever that might be. Um, you know, it'd be this past Tuesday. So whenever this episode comes out, we have no idea. Um, but, um, basically April 12th, um, I got a phone call from my sister who I very rarely speak to. Um, also kind of another strained relationship. And, um, she called me and said, you know, Hey, uh, obviously pretty upset. And, Wanted to let me know that uh, she had found my dad uh, dead on the kitchen floor. And, of course, you know, that was a, s- a sad moment. You know, obviously you don't want any relative. You know, I, I wouldn't even say relative. But you know, you don't want anyone. It's hard to have anyone pass away. Mm-hmm. Whether you know them, chances are you know someone who knew them. You know, so it's 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 just it's, it's, a, it's a soft moment. Um. But, you know, she, it was interesting because she told me, you know, whatever, try to get a well check done on him. Um, Police couldn't get anybody to answer. So my sister came over um, later in the day when she got off work and basically tried to break in the back door or whatever it was, gets in, finds him uh, uh, dead on the kitchen floor. Now, the first lesson, or I guess this would be the last lesson my dad taught me, you know, you know, I always say that my dad taught me a lot of lessons, whether he was trying to or not. And one of the last lessons my dad taught me was in which I relayed to my baseball team because we had a game that day, you know, <laughs> of course, uh, since my dad and I weren't very close, I decided it was it was good for me to press on. Um, I'm not sure I, I might even do that with, with anybody. I would still press on that day, um, knowing if there's nothing I can do. Um, and I told the boys after the game, I said, you know, I told him that my dad had passed away, and he, uh, you know, he was a difficult man. He was a, a man who, first for one, didn't take care of his health, smoked two to three, I don't know, I lost track, maybe even four packs of cigarettes in one day. That's what he did. He smoked cigarettes. He ate bologna and cheese sandwiches. Um, his health was not his concern. Um, he was going to live the way he wanted to live, and that's fine. That's what you want to do. But also in the same light, then you can't be surprised when you find yourself, you know, taking your last breath on the kitchen floor going, what happened? Well, it had to be something to do with those cigarettes and bologna sandwiches for the past 40 years. Mm-hmm. But I told the boys, I said, you know, we, we make errors. We make mistakes on the field, whether we miss a pop fly or we throw it to the wrong base or... Uh, maybe we strike out, whatever that is in a game. This is just a simple game situation. We have to understand that our teammates are going to make mistakes. 
and um, we we can't. I don't want to say. I guess I'm going to say it is burn the bridge and hold this grudge against someone who dropped a pop fly. Who you know that wasn't their intent, but they dropped a pop fly. And you know maybe you are disappointed that they dropped a pop fly. And my dad, when something didn't go his way, he held an extreme grudge. So much as I've said, I think I've said in previous podcasts, you know, my, my dad flat out said directly to my face, I disown you. You are no longer my son, which obviously those are just words. It doesn't mean what, what was the biological, right? We can't, mm-hmm. you know, still, still is my dad. Um, but um, so that's the way he, he chose all of his, his relationships with anyone, whether it be a relative or a friend. If a friend didn't give him what he was, um, what he thought was deserving to him, then he disowned them. That was it. You're not going to be part of my life anymore. I don't, you know, I don't want to speak to you ever again, kind of thing. So I told those boys, if we acted like that, my dad acted like that for 60 plus years. And one of his last regrets is, so that means no one's around him. Mm-hmm. He's not a healthy man. No one's around him. And he takes his last breath on the kitchen floor by himself all because what he has done over the past 60 years. That's regret. You know what I mean? I I often tell people when they ask me about my dad, I said, my guess is my dad died with a lot of regrets, you know, and that's what happens. You know, when you, when you're taking your last breath and you know, the, the end is near, you start to look back and go, man, what could I have done differently? What? And you know, we're all going to die with some regrets. We're going to have regrets. Um, my goal and hope everyone's goal is to have limited regrets as, as we're dying. So, um, that, that was the last lesson my, my dad taught me. He taught me many lessons, but that was one of the last ones. You know, that, that word regret is so, uh, interesting to me because uh, I think a lot of us, if, if we just look at a, a typical day, we have regrets, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You know, I made a choice to do this, and oh, I wish I'd done that. Mm. Um, I didn't make time for somebody that, looking back, I should have made time for. Um, and and regrets are are difficult when they are from the inside. And and I'd like to talk about those in in a minute. I'd, I'd like to circle back to that. Okay. But one of the things that I think is interesting sometimes is that. You know, we, we talk about this this podcast being about, you know, life and leadership and legacy, not just about what we do on a on a basketball court or a baseball field yeah. or whatever, right? Calls of violations. <laughs> yeah. And if it comes to, you know, what we do in life, a lot of times there are other people that have expectations for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They have things that they think we should do. They have ways they think we should process. They have all that. Right. Um, and when we don't do things that match up with what they think, mm-hmm. sometimes they try to then get us to feel regret mm-hmm. for for their feelings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not for our own. Um, and you know, I, I see that now, you know, I have, I have two young adult children, you know, both, both college age, and they'll be talking with each other about, you know, what they're going to do for the semester, who they're going to hang out with or what they're going to do with their summer. And one will be like, well, you know, you really don't want to do that. You know, you you really ought to think about this. Yeah, oh yeah. And you know, what they're doing is they're saying, 
you know, hey, I, I really know what you should do here. And it can be incredibly well-meaning, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, in the situation we had this this weekend, it was it was very well-meaning. There was one of them trying to help the other, mm-hmm. right? Um, but sometimes when we're in moments like this, I, I, I'm going to call them kind of capstone moments in that in your relationship with your dad, the the ending, you know, of his mm-hmm. earthly life mm-hmm. that that puts a capstone in some sense on his story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But yet your story with him still continues because, like you said, those things you learned from him, mm-hmm. good and bad, mm-hmm. you are going to carry with you. Your feelings about him, you are going to carry with you. The way that you interact with people that are surrounding him are going to continue right mm-hmm. so i mean this is this is kind of a, a capstone moment and people are going to expect things of you people very well meaning could say hey you know have you considered this or are you going to do that or whatever and that happens in for everybody regardless of whether it was a good relationship bad relationship whatever right mm-hmm. um how is it that that those kinds of pressures affect you and how do you respond to them? Well, um, with, as far as pressure goes, it affects me in a way that I have to continue to stand up for what my beliefs are. Okay. So, you know, the pressures of what people think I should be doing so I have to reevaluate right away. Okay, what are my beliefs here? Because I very easily could succumb to the pressures of like, okay, I'm going to make sure, you know, now I'm going to do this. And even though I know it's not not what I've learned in my own experience over the past 40 years with this man and with, you know, my maybe other relatives, whatever that is, I'm going to do something different because that's what someone is pressuring me to do. Um, it's kind of like... You know, we, we talk about um, um, fitness and, and nutrition a lot. Well, I, it's I can't tell you how to eat. If you ask me how should I eat or what do you do, then I can tell you that. In a situation like this, there's all kinds of outside voices telling me what I should be doing with my dad right now. Sure there are. Lots of them. And I have to go, okay, wait a second. You may be telling me that, but doesn't mean that I have to take that advice. Doesn't mean I can process that. But ultimately, everything that's from that outside is coming in and telling me the things that I need to, oh, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. You should be doing this. It's okay to do this. Then I have the other side going, okay, what about, you know, it's the the two voices on each shoulder, right? (laughs) Well, what about the, he did this and he did this and he did that. So um, what I do right now with my dad has no bearing at all what's going to happen with my dad from now on. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change anything. As a matter of fact, it's not even going to change anything with me. So only I can do is keep continuing to learn these lessons and evaluate the situations that have been put in front of me and say, okay, are, are you going to change your values? Or are you sticking to those values that you've had over the past that have made you who you are now? Now, granted, we all can stand to improve in one way, shape, or another. 
um, I just have to decide if that's a if that's a change that I want to make. So yeah, and you know, I think anytime we come to the ending of a relationship, you know, like like this, whether we're talking about now it's a it's a relationship like this that is is not going to continue because of of death, or we, you know, have a a friendship that ended, or you know, I mean, there's there's all these varying degrees, right of mm-hmm. of when relationships kind of become come to an end um what what culture tells us typically is is that we want to look back at things with rose colored glasses mm. yeah right mm-hmm. you know hey the way that you find closure the way that you find healing and help and all that kind of thing is to look back on the best and look back on the good and all that and and that is that is very solid advice for most people in most situations. Uh, but it's not solid advice for every person in every situation. You know, there are times when dealing with reality of what may or may not have happened, dealing with our perspective, like we just said, hmm. right? Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. our perspective is our reality. And it could very well be that your perspective of your relationship with your dad is different than your dad's relationship was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his perspective was. Um, it could definitely be different than the way that other members of your family looked in and saw it, or maybe even members of your your own family now, you know, mm-hmm. your immediate family, the way they see it. Um, you're the only one that can can deal with that perspective of of where you were what's right, what's healthy for you and where you can move forward. And, um, I, I find it so interesting, you know, in, in my work, uh, in a church, um, I've, I've had to deal with death a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've been at the bedside of, you know, of dozens of people as, as they've passed, uh, I've done more funerals than, I could probably count. Um, and it's very interesting because you go to a, a funeral and many of them are just very, very cookie cutter. You know, it's like, well, this is how we do it. And this mm-hmm. is how we do it. And this is how we do it. And this mm-hmm. is how we do it. Um, but then, and so most of those, I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the, the moments that I remember are either when, something went wrong <laughs> or when uh when things are out of the ordinary you know uh i was singing for a funeral once and i'm in the back with a the lady who was playing the organ the lady who was playing the organ very hard of hearing uh but great great organ player mm-hmm. wonderful wonderful lady and so my friend who was up front preaching the uh the sermon, the message for the, for the funeral, he had this phrase that he would often use where he would talk. One of the things he would say is when they took their final breath. And then he had a a thing that he would go on and he just, he said the wrong word. He said, and when she took her final breast, (laughs) so everybody's kind of chuckling a little bit, right? Like there's like 50 people at this service. Mm -hmm. I'm in the back, whatever, right? Well, the lady who was at the organ, who was hard of hearing, had heard 
but wasn't sure she'd heard. And she turned to me and said, did he say breast? <laughs> and it was so loud that everybody in the whole place could hear it. And and the service came to a halt sure, and people right. were dying laughing. Right, right. You know, it was just one of those moments, you know, something went, something went wrong, but it also, it created this levity in the midst mm. of it. And all, she had no idea how loud she was being when sure. she asked that. And it was mm. hilarious. Um, I had a, a, another situation. One of the ladies who uh, was a member of our church, Every time we would go out to dinner with her, I think I may have even shared the story before. Every time we go out to dinner with her, she always asked for the dessert menu first. Hmm. Always. She was a teacher at a major university, university where you've worked a lot of basketball. And uh, she, uh, she would go out to dinner and her husband was a farmer. She was a uh, education professor chair of the department, well-respected, all this kind of stuff. And we go out to eat and she'd ask for the dessert menu first. And she would order her dessert first. And she would not even think about touching an appetizer or a main course or anything until she had finished her dessert. And people used to joke it, but when she was younger, she didn't get that. It was special to her. So she mm. said, you know what? I'm going to eat dessert first. Mm -hmm. And so when we had her funeral, uh, we had a big funeral meal. There were probably, I don't know, 200 people at this big meal. And we're in a big fellowship hall, big room, you know, with long tables and folding chairs. And we're eating fried chicken and ham and you know, think kind of things that you'd have at a yeah. funeral meal. And all the ladies at the church had made these homemade desserts. And so we were looking around. We were just trying to think of, you know, a way that would just kind of, honor and be specific and all and so when we stood up to have the blessing before the meal we just kind of got the idea and said you know what everybody today in honor of her none of us are going through the line until we've had our dessert mm, i love it you know <laughs> we're gonna eat dessert first so i mean it was it was unusual it was out of the norm i will always remember that and the interesting thing about that to me is, is that that's, that's part of that person's legacy, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so our legacies have the ability to be very positive. Mm -hmm. our, our legacies have the ability to be very negative. But it's also what it does is it allows for the way that we process things to be different. It allows for our perspective to be different. Somebody might look at your strained relationship with your dad growing up and say, your dad left a negative legacy. Mm -hmm. Anybody that knows you knows that it may not have happened in the way you would have liked for it to have happened. Sure. Mm -hmm. But his legacy through you is not a negative legacy. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily because of what he did or didn't do, but because of what you did with what you were given. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a question for, for we go, because I want to know what your thoughts are. Why does everyone feel like they need to be cookie cutter? You know what I mean? In whatever event we're talking about, whether it's a funeral, a wedding, 
you know, why does it always have to be the same? Why are we so afraid of going, you know what? Let's eat dessert first. Why are we so afraid of that? You know, that's a, it's a great question. You bring up, a, you know, a wedding, right? Mm-hmm. One of my great friends in college got married. Uh, he was a baseball player, ended up playing in the Cardinals organization for a while, became an athletic trainer and coach. Uh, his wife uh, was a nurse, fiance at the time was a nurse, both huge baseball fans. She grew up a, uh, she grew up a Royals fan. He grew up a Cardinals fan on opposite sides of Missouri. Um, neat, neat couple. And, uh, all the guys and the girls that were in the wedding, we had all gotten together and they had, they had told us like they wanted baseball touches in their wedding. Mm -hmm. Right. They wanted, uh, you know, at the, uh, at a military wedding, sometimes they'll have a a tunnel of swords that people Mm -hmm. will walk out. Right. Mm -hmm. So we were going to have them walk out to their car through a tunnel of bats. There you go. Right. You know, which is kind of fun. And, we want to do a couple other things beyond that. And we were sitting there talking and all the guys that were in the wedding, we all played, you know, softball, baseball, whatever. So, uh, as we were talking with some of the girls in the wedding, they're like, you guys need to wear your cleats with your tuxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? Right. It's fun, right? You need to wear your cleats with tuxes. Yeah, I like that. And so we were like, that's great. We all have black cleats, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. So we did that. So we put them on. The mother of the bride saw one of the guys walking before the wedding in cleats mm. and about lost her mind. With I fr- get it. With frustration, right? Because yeah. they, they've spent all this money. They've done all these things. They've whatever, right? You mm-hmm. know, that doesn't fit the mold of what you're supposed to wear yeah. with a tuxedo. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we walked out following the couple... The guys had alternating hats. Half of us wore Royals hats and half of us had Cardinals hats. Mm. And we had stuff. And the girls had it worked out to where they would turn away from the crowd before we walked out and they put eye black under their <laughs> eyes. Awesome. And so here are these girls in their beautiful makeup and their dresses and all walking out in eye black. And the guys have on their cleats and their ball caps with their tuxedos. And the reason that she freaked out was because. It, it wasn't normal. What are people going to think? Oh, my goodness. It's, it's right? You're, you're so right. What so are people right. going to think? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my son and I like to joke all the time. My, my son can't believe that I do a ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. Like, it bothers him that I do a ketogenic diet. That's not healthy. I went to my, to my class uh, you know, my, my health and wellness class at college. Oh, yeah. And they say, this isn't good. You're going to end up with cardiac issues. And so he's coming at it from a great perspective. Like he cares about me, yep. but it's out of the norm. Mm-hmm. And so it bothers him. Um, all of us, we, we get so worried about it because even those of us that like to stand out for certain things, the truth is the majority of the time we want to blend in. Sure. Majority of the time, we want to be like everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't have purple hair. Right, right. But when you go to Walmart and you see one person with purple hair, yeah. everybody's heads snap to it. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that some people want to grieve like everybody else says they're supposed to grieve is because, well, then I want to, I want to be like others. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, we, we base this whole podcast on being uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what may be best for somebody out there dealing with a, a struggle or difficulty in their life, it may be to do things that are more normal, more like other people. But it may be that you need something different in your life. Maybe you're going through a job transition and that that change needs to be different for you than it looks like for someone else. You know, maybe it's maybe it does have to do with officiating. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe your perspective on things needs to be different. Maybe as you're looking at legacy you know, it's different. We talked a couple of weeks ago about my buddy that said he's stepping away from baseball, you know, because of stuff going on with his kids. Mm-hmm. And he decided that for him and his family, his legacy with his kids at that moment in time mm-hmm. was more important than his legacy on a baseball field. Right. Uh, you and I have a friend of ours up in Wisconsin who'd made the decision that this last year was going to be his last year on a college basketball court. Mm -hmm. And as he stepped away from that and was doing that and saw the connection he had with his kids and stuff like that, he said, you know what? It's nope. It's this was my last season on the court for anything. I'm Mm -hmm. not doing high school. I'm not doing other stuff. Now he may come back to that in 10 years. Yeah, maybe. You know, when his kids are older and things are different, who knows what may happen, but for him right now and when all these people see the levels that he's gotten to, there are people out there going, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he's worked big games. Mm-hmm. He's worked at big levels. He's worked in great conferences. He's had all. And so there are some people out there going, he's nuts. Mm-hmm. How could he possibly do that? But he's the one that has to look himself in the mirror mm-hmm. and go, <laughs> this is the right choice. Well, and it's it's just something that makes him comfortable. That's right. You know, um, you, you talk about the purple hair, right? And, you know, you and I are both, what do they call that? Follically challenged. challenged, right? Yep. I mean, it wasn't as much as even 30 years ago. This was a very, when, so, when someone shaved their head, we're like, Ooh, what is this guy doing? Yep. You know, this is very abnormal. And they would think maybe you were sick or whatever that was. And I can remember the first time I shaved my head. There was, you know, people even say, look like maybe you might be sick. Well, that is how we're comfortable. And that's how we should operate. Instead of listening to the outside voices, whether that be friends, family, uh, relatives that are saying, no, you can't do that. That's it's kind of crazy that you would shave your head. I don't understand why you do that. Well, that's what I'm comfortable with doing. And that's what I that's what I want to do. It's 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 no different than, you know, hey. I don't like wearing a, a suit and tie, but I can still dress in a professional manner. I can put a nice polo shirt on with a coat over top of it and look professional. That's how I'm comfortable. That's how you're going to get the best out of me. Um, so we, we're too busy listening to the outside voices and wondering what are those outside voices going to say about me? What are they going to say? You know, our baseball field has, you know, one of the shortest fences in the conference, probably the shortest fence in the conference. And I used to always go, oh, what are they going to say about a short fence? I'm like, you know what? I, there's nothing I could do about this. Mm-hmm. It, it's The distance is what it is. If we give up a couple home runs, we give up a couple home runs. That's just the way it is. So be it. I, got, I was so much better then. You know what I mean? I used mm-hmm. to find myself sitting in my dugout 
listening and watching the other team's reaction and trying to hear what they were saying about our field, about the distance of the fence, whatever it is. And like, you know what, why, what difference does that make? So, um, it just doesn't, I don't want to say I'm searching out to do things opposite, but I am in tune to what makes me feel good and the way my values line up that I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. And if you don't like it, then that's fine. You know, I don't, I won't hate you or I won't think bad things about you, but I'm going to go about the way I know how to do business and the way I'm going to do things, you know, so I'm going to circle back for a second. You know, I want to make sure everyone's hearing this. I didn't hate my dad mm-hmm. by any means. He just didn't line up from what I'm doing, what I, the direction I was going. Um, and I don't, um, I didn't want him to die. Sure. You know, it's, it's, I want everybody to be clear there, <laughs> but you know, I just didn't have the emotion that maybe my sister did because, you know, he, you know, he loved the way he did things and that's fine. Um, but I am going to find myself that lines up with my values. And if he, if a friend or a relative passes away, you know, I'm going to accept that. And why wouldn't I accept? Why would I be startled or surprised or stunned that a 74 year old man dies who smokes three to four packs of cigarettes a day? Why wouldn't I be? Why would I be stunned by that? If I'm stunned by that, then I am have complete blinders on and what this person has done in their life. Stunned is this person's take total good care of himself, and all of a sudden. He's dead at 74. I don't know what's going on. Picture of health. Mm-hmm. Stunned is, got hit by a bus. That's stunned. But when we're stunned by, we watch someone and how they just, you know, I would say we even stretch the the terminology of healthy. We even mm-hmm. stretch that. Oh, he was perfectly healthy. Well, listen, if you're on cholesterol medicine, diabetes medicine, you're not perfectly healthy. You're not. You're struggling in a health way, some way, shape, or form, and it's going to catch up to you. So um, I, I come to terms with that a long, long time ago. Listen, my dad's not a healthy man. So when I get the call that he passed away in some way, shape, or form, I am not going to be stunned by that. The people that are stunned are the people that are blinded to that. So, Yeah. So why on in a podcast like this, you know, are we – are we dedicating, you know, a full episode to talking about this? I, I think it's really simple. I think we got a couple really big takeaways today. You know, okay. I, I have a few more stories that I want to make sure I share for you. I know do when, it. when you do takeaways, I'm like, oh, he's wrapping it up. Go already. for it, man. So, you know, I have to share these lessons I learned from my dad, whether it be intentional or unintentional. One story that I remember distinctly. My dad was, um, he was, he would say, I would say he's a heavy gambler. He was a heavy partier back in the day. Um, obviously when he got older, he probably just couldn't keep up with that. So, um, I had baseball practice or a game or something. My dad had spent all night out doing whatever it was. I have no idea. My dad was in charge of getting me to my game or practice, whatever it was. And he fell asleep on the couch, and I'd wake him up. So let's just say we got to leave at two o'clock. I start waking up. I, we got to leave at two. I start waking him up at about one fifteen. Dad, you got to get up. You got to take me to practice. We got to leave in forty five minutes. He'd moan or whatever it was. We do that for the time, right? He wouldn't get up. He just kept on falling back asleep. Finally, 
And now I'm 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 a kid. I'm probably somewhere between 10 and 14. I don't know exactly, but I'm a kid. It's two o'clock. It's time for us to go. You know what I had to do to get him up? I yelled, Dad, there's a fire. <laughs> there's a fire. He jumped right up. What's 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 on? I said, nothing. We got to go, Dad. You know what I mean? Those were the kind of things that I had to do to get him up because he was just, you know, him getting me to practice was the least of his worries. Whatever he did the night before, that was that was the consequence. I had to feel the consequence of that. So I had to have the courage to go, you know what? I, I could have said, mm, I don't make it to my game. My dad wouldn't wake up. Told the coach that. But I wanted to be part of this team. So I'm willing to probably take some punishment from my dad. I know he, was, he was pretty upset with me. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. You know what his thought? I know he was mad, right? I, I know probably not to do that again. But it got me to the game. It got <laughs> sure. me where I needed to be. Um, the other thing he did, you know, eighth grade, eighth grade. Um, uh, what do they have? Eighth grade trips, right? You know what I mean. And so ours was Washington D.C. So you had to you had to come up with whatever it is. We'll just say five hundred bucks mm-hmm. for this trip to Washington D.C. as an eighth grader. You say, you know, I say, hey, I mean, I'd really like to go on this trip. Well, we really can't afford it, you know, whatever, whatever. It's okay, no problem. About, I don't know, maybe three days before, maybe even a week before the money was due, my dad comes knocking on my door at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what's up, Dad? And he had been out gambling all night, and he had won a lot of money. And he said, I got your money for the eighth grade trip. How exciting. Oh, yeah. So I asked for it three days later. He lost it. Oh. Don't get to go. Mm. What'd that teach me? When I tell my kids I'm going to do something for them, I'm going to do something for them. If I can't do something, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely not going to do anything that I can even let them down in a situation where, you know, geez, I had it, but I had to you know, whatever, go out and buy whatever I wanted to do instead of making sure they got that eighth grade, or eighth grade uh, trip. So those are just a few stories that that taught me about, at an early age, on what I want to be as a father. I remember my mom and dad um, would sit up and just, you know, like I said, I've, I've said many times, my dad was a big smoker. Well, I knew from an early age that's something I didn't want to do just because I hated how it affected him. Drinking coffee. I I don't drink coffee because my, both my mom and dad drank a lot of coffee. They would drink two pots of coffee before we even leave the house in the morning. That's just something I didn't want to do. I didn't want to have coffee control me. Like, okay, the only way I can operate is I got to get, you know, pot and a half in before I can get out of, get out of the house. That's not going to control me. So those are all things. I don't know why I'm wired that way, Chad, mm-hmm. but I am. I see things. I still, to this day, see people like, you know, whatever, get out of the chair. Oh, I'm like, I don't want to be that person. You know, I see people, you know, they don't have enough energy to work two hours without taking a break. They, I see people, they like, oh, it's 12 o'clock. We got to go eat lunch. Why? Are you hungry? They don't care. It's, I just got to go eat lunch. So I see all that and I'm like, nope, I'm not falling to 
I'm not going to conform to what everyone else is doing. So I know it sounds weird, but no, I mean, I think again, that's, that's part of what makes you uncommon. I think for people that know you, people have been around you, they know there's just something a little bit different. Thanks for about Jeff Cross. <laughs> you know? Thank you very much. And, 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 what that means is there's there's going to be people that that don't understand. There's going to be people that struggle. So I will come back to these takeaways All right. real quick. Good. All right. Good. 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 <laughs> um, and because <laughs> I I think I think they're going to help, and I'll even give you the opportunity to respond to them here. The the first one that I heard you very clearly say today, um, you didn't use this this language to say it, but it helps me when I think about it. Your values have to set your roadmap. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so what I mean by that is if I'm taking a trip, okay, and what I love is natural beauty, and I'm going from here to Los Angeles, that I'm going to zigzag all over the place finding these beautiful things to stop and take pictures of and enjoy and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If my value is I want to eat at the best restaurants, that's going to change my roadmap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to find those places on Food Network or wherever, and and I'm going to drive to those places. If my value is I want to get there as fast as possible, then I have a different roadmap than the other two. Yep. The, the reason that I go the way I'm going to go is because of what I value mm-hmm. for that trip. Mm-hmm. And you've made a very definite decision to allow your values to determine the course that you're going to take, mm-hmm. regardless of what other people think. Yep. And that's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. You know what's more difficult for me in this situation? is trying to instill my values on other people. You know, I really, a lot of times, you know, I want to call people out. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult. And it, I, I probably, even in silence, pass judgment. Sure. You know, going, geez, we just started working. Why do we need to take a break already? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you mean we can't finish the job? You know, what, what do you mean you can't be there at 7? Why does it have to be 9? Well, if you're still tired at 7? But the job needs to be done, or whatever the the assignment. This, you know, this morning I got up and went and filled up the bus at at I was there at six fifteen, got it done, so I could you know have I could get that done because they needed to take the bus this, the, the this morning, and we needed this afternoon, and I want to get here to record a podcast, and I did all that. Yeah, I would love to sleep. Mm-hmm. I think that would be great to to, to lay in bed another ninety minutes, but my values don't hold to that. Mm-hmm. It's more important that I get this this work done that I've signed up to do while others just sleep. Or even if they're up. So let's say they're up and they're just sitting around, I'm so tired. Well, yeah, if you tell yourself you're so tired, guess what? You're going to be tired. So that's just where I, I feel better. I feel I don't want to say unstoppable, but I feel so much better when I do those things. When I had those assignments done, I was, you know, got home 7.15, took a shower, you know what I mean? Get over here at 8.30. So it's just all that makes me feel better, way better than sitting around moping going, I do not want to go fill this bus up at 6.15 in the morning. Yep. Oh, 
maybe I don't want to, but I'm gonna because that's that's the job I signed up for. And that leads me into my second takeaway today, which is that other people's perspective may be different than mine, but that doesn't make mine wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I would also then flip it. My perspective may be different than others, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make theirs wrong. Mm-hmm. If they value that extra 90 minute sleep, yeah. that's their perspective. Yep. That's what they'd like to do. Now they then may not be able to accomplish what you accomplish mm-hmm. or do things in the same way or whatever. But again, it goes back to that idea that I can't, you know, I can't grade myself on somebody else's score sheet. Right. Yeah. And I have, I'm the one that has to be accountable to that. Yeah. The question I would ask someone like, so let's just use the sleep thing, mm-hmm. for example. If you value the extra 90 minutes of sleep, my question would be, why do you value it? Do you value it because you didn't go to bed till two in the morning? Or you you value it because you know it's healthy for you and you've only gotten, you know, whatever that is. So if you value that extra 90 minutes of sleep, then why are you not going to bed at nine instead of 11? You know, those are the kind of things I would ask. Sure. And um, I think that's true. You know, my values can't be your values. Mm -hmm. My perspective can't be your perspective. Doesn't make mine right or yours wrong. But... If I'm truly trying to, uh, as I use this term all the time, self-educate myself, educate myself, so self-education, what am, what, what can I, what do I have the opportunity to learn from? Tell me why you need 90 extra minutes. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's the advantage. Why would it be good for me to try that? That's what I would want to know. Yep. And then the last one, and it's really the one that we started with, and you know, you've you've talked about this, and and I want to say very clearly. Um, you know, when, when we were talking about what we were going to share today and, you know, Jeff talking about something that's as personal and as raw as, you know, losing a parent, mm-hmm. um, uh, none of this was meant to be, um, derogatory in any way or anything like that. Um, but again, this is talking very really about how, relationships affect who we are positive negative ways all that and so a takeaway that i grabbed from the very beginning from you is that positive and negative things are going to happen to us Mm -hmm. you had some positive experiences with your dad Mm -hmm. you had some negative experiences with your dad but we choose how we respond to all of those situations yep and the common thing to do is that when negative things happen to us, we allow, allow ourselves to be formed negatively. When negative things happen to us, we fall into those patterns. When negative things happen to us, we use them to be able to blame. We use them as excuses. We use them as the reasons why we can't have or we can't be or we can't do. Mm-hmm. The uncommon thing is to take the positive experiences with a grain of salt. <laughs> right. That's right. True, right. Mm-hmm. And to take the negative experiences and turn them for good. Mm-hmm. That's the uncommon thing. Yep. And I think as all of us look at what it means to have that drive towards success, whether it's in just our general personal lives, whether it's in our officiating lives, whether it's in the way we lead other people, 
or whether it's really this legacy thing that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you come to the end of it all, mm-hmm. what's what's your legacy going to be? Um, I'd much rather be uncommon. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, when you talk about leading, you know, someone called me a leader. I, th- I think I am in some way, shape, or form. But I had no idea that was my what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was just speaking freely about what I believe and letting my work speak for itself. And everyone went, oh, well, that's, you know, maybe, you know, if that's working for Jeff, maybe I could try that or whatever that may be. So I, I would I would say that to anyone who's listening, just because you think you're not a leader, um, maybe I would check, check, maybe you're really not in tune to your values. And it's hard to be a good leader or someone, you know, to like, okay, I want to hear what Jeff has to say or Chad has to say or whoever, right? The only way is is to have, to know exactly what your values are so you know which map you're going to take because there's many people that want to go to California and take the scenic route, but they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So if we know how to do that, let's, let's, let's do that. So, but I think we have, I think we have an opportunity to lead every day. Um, whether that's something we've signed up for or not, you know, that's, I guess that's up to you, but, um, everyone has a story and everyone has a chance to make an impact even through the death of someone's father. Absolutely. I hope that uh, this has been helpful to you. I hope it's been challenging to you and, uh, we would love for you to help us out. Please, uh, rate the podcast give us a five-star rating if you are kind enough to do that leave us a review that helps us so much if you've got questions comments whatever uh, send those to us at uncommon drive podcast at gmail.com and uh, we do our best to respond to those a lot of times we include those on uh, episodes Mm -hmm. and uh, would love to be able to do that and uh, hope you have a phenomenal week in your uncommon drive towards success see y'all talk to you soon Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.